Hello, you're listening to Making It Count, a podcast that provides practical financial advice for every stage of life with a twist. We're your hosts, Christina and Will. We aren't financial experts. We're just like you, aka trying not to stumble our way to financial success. That's where our money smart friends come into the equation. You see what I did there, Will? Yes. I guess we need to add a bad pun disclaimer to our show description. Well, as long as we add a reality TV spoiler disclaimer as well. I'm there for that. You'll want to stay tuned for fun guest interviews, discussions around money taboos, and apparently corny jokes and Real Housewives references. Mm -hmm. That is so perfectly us. So together, let's make make it it count. count. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Making It Count. Welcome, guys. This is our third episode of our third season, and I'm so excited for today's topic. I'm really excited for today's topic. This it's, was like your topic. This was, you really this was wanted my to do idea. This I really one. wanted to do it. I think it's really important. So today we're talking about predatory lending in part two of our series on money taboos. I was just reading in an article in Bloomberg about how payday loans have exploded during the pandemic. And it makes sense, but the interest on those loans are like incredibly high. So it's no wonder that people just get stuck taking out one loan after another after another. Yeah, no, exactly. We'll introduce our guests in a minute, but before we do, Christina, do you know anybody who has been taken in by predatory lending? I actually haven't, but us being in Florida and it being okay to have that, I see those predatory lending places all the time and their commercials and the places like the rent-a-center places Mm -hmm. where you can like get a TV and, you know, at the end you're paying like double what that TV You were telling me that you like, you like warned your kids about this already. (laughs) Yes. Every time one of those commercials come on, they boo the TV. (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't know anybody who's necessarily been taken in by it or who has and has like talked openly about it. Mm -hmm. I think though, like you said, being in Florida, you see them on every corner. Yes. I won't name all of them, but they have all these funky names and they're in like, you know, old gas stations. It's kind of weird. And then on top of that, what I've noticed even more is like all these online lenders and you don't know who's reputable and who's not because they're all brand new. Yes. So it's kind of weird right now. All right. So we have two fantastic guests today with us to help us walk through the maze of predatory lending and how to recognize it. First, we have Shelby Lord. Shelby is the AVP branch manager at the Forest City branch of Addition Financial. Shelby, please introduce yourself. Thanks, Will. So I've been at Addition Financial for eight years now and been in banking for nearly 10. Over that time period, just kind of moving up the ranks and getting to learn banking inside and out and what the credit union mentality is, people helping people. So it's it's been great so far. Shelby, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you. And then also with us today is Sarah Polson, who is a certified financial planner and the owner of Valkyrie Financial. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, guys. Yes. Hello. I am so excited to be here with you. As Christina said, my name is Sarah Paulson. I have been working in the personal finance wealth management world for over 10 years now, and I've been helping people with their money for a long time. Even more than that, though, what makes me an expert is that I am, like Christina said, a certified financial planner or CFP professional for short, which means that I learned a little bit about pretty much every topic there is in personal finance and way more than I ever wanted to know about taxes. 
The CFP <laughs> is the most comprehensive designation a financial advisor can get. And it's one of the most rigorous, too. I use that knowledge as the lead financial planner for my company, Valkyrie Financial, which is bringing financial advice to the millennial generation, my generation, where I charge a monthly subscription to help people born in the 80s and 90s create and wield wealth. Well, thank you both so much for being here. We have a lot to cover. So let's jump right into the questions. Christina, why don't you get us started? Oh, well, I would love to. Look, you're such a gentleman. All right, Shelby, you get to start us today. Let's start at the basics. What is predatory lending and how is that different from traditional lending? Sure. So predatory lending tends to use deceptive practices and language to kind of rope people in. So it always sounds really charming, sounds really good. And most times if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly where predatory lending leads its way. Traditional lending likes to make sure that the borrower and the lender both are clear on what's happening. All the fees, all the interest rates are clear to understand. There's no confusion or anything. But predatory lending tends to rope people in with that confusion of language and gets people to buy in, usually paying more than what the item is worth. Predatory lending played a role in the housing crisis of 07 and 08, uh, but the type of predatory lending that most people have heard of is something that you already mentioned, the payday loans. Mm-hmm. So speaking of payday loans, which I think is what people most mostly think of when they hear predatory lending, Sarah, can you explain what a payday loan is? Oh, yeah. A payday loan is a loan that offers borrowers an advance against their paycheck. It's literally a loan until your next payday. Now, a lot of major cities have collections of payday lending companies that prey on people who need cash fast to make it until their next paycheck. Payday loans are short term and they are banana pants crazy high interest loans that come due on the day the borrower receives their next paycheck. Because the loans are so short term, usually less than two weeks, people don't realize how crazy expensive they are. When you calculate it out, the annual interest rate easily hits like 300, 400, even 500%. Most of these borrowers aren't thinking about annual. They just need to make it to the next paycheck. And at these costs, people end up needing to take out another loan to pay the first one, and then another, and then another, and so on. And borrowers typically need to provide a post-dated check or authorize an automatic withdrawal from their bank account to pay back the loan. And that money is going to be taken on the due date, whether the borrower can afford it or not. Sarah, I think you just came up with my favorite new word. (laughs) Banana pants is absolutely the best way to describe the interest rates on these. (laughs) Absolutely. Is it trademarked? I'd like to take it. (laughs) No, no, go right ahead and take it. Although I would like some royalties. (laughs) You're like, wait, no, no, hold on. (laughs) She's going to take that one back and be like, hmm, maybe I should have. Could that be like an NFT or something? Yeah, right. Banana pants coin. Banana pants. (laughs) (laughs) But going back to what you were just saying, it's it's really like these, I I don't even want to call them financial institutions because they're not. They're really taking advantage of people that would have to do it again and again. Like they're not looking future. They're looking like here and now and let me get solve my problem for now. And and that's a tomorrow Christina problem is essentially what it is. It's really sad, I think. Absolutely. Yes. I think what I don't understand, because these types of agencies are taking advantage of people, how are payday lenders even allowed to do that? So, Sarah, 
aren't these high interest rates really something that could be illegal? I mean, it could be. There's the word that is typically thrown around is usury. And it's by definition, the act of lending money at an interest rate that's considered unreasonably high or that is higher than the rate permitted by law. Now, the tricky thing about that is who gets to decide what unreasonable is, right? The payday lenders will argue that they're providing a necessary service to people who have demonstrated they're not good with money and there's some risk there so that they can justify these high rates. And then on the legal side, permitted by law part, the payday loan has, in the industry has some pretty good lobbyists that have pressured Congress to create loopholes for them. And then making it even more tricky, because this isn't crazy enough, is that every state gets to set their own rules on what will fly and what won't. For example, 12 states have completely outlawed payday lending. So for the people living in Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, Vermont, and or West Virginia, they don't even have access to this in their state because their Congress has decided, no, this is not something that we want. Obviously, a lot of consumer advocates are pushing to have this type of lending just made illegal on a federal level, but those lobbyists continue to work hard to prevent it. And even when lawsuits do make it to court, very often they find that, hey, these lending loans are unreasonable and they are illegal. But you got to remember what groups of people these loans are targeted to, right? It's the financially insecure and financially undereducated. These aren't people who are likely to take a company to court. They don't have the means to do it. And that's a really good point. Also, just putting it out there that these people who need cash in hand at that moment, and they're being offered something that does sound at face value, very helpful, like they need something to connect the dot from one paycheck to the next. And this is the easiest and fastest way to do it without having to worry about credit per se. Mm -hmm. So Shelby, you mentioned earlier that predatory lending played a role in the housing crisis. Can right. you explain? Sure. So lenders were providing subprime mortgages to borrowers with below average credit at high interest rates to offset the lender's risk. In many cases, these were also adjustable rate mortgages or ARM mortgages. The predatory aspect for a lot of people was that they signed the mortgage at a low initial rate that rose when economic conditions changed. What happened is that people couldn't afford their monthly payments and ended up upside down in their houses. So, yes, I just want to put in here, and your explanation was perfect, but it also reminds me a little bit of the movie The Big Short. Have you ever seen that, Christina? I've not seen it. It's on my list. I can't find it anywhere streaming for free. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I draw the line. If it's not streaming for free, I'm not watching it. Fair enough. I mean, it's probably on iTunes for like $3. But But I don't want to pay the $3, Will. (laughs) I know you don't. I know you don't. Three dollars adds up. You gotta over retire. Time. You gotta right, retire by sixty-two you, or something. I gotta save those pennies somehow. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really good movie, and it honestly, I never really understood the housing crisis that well until I watched that movie, and they did it in such a fun, like, entertaining way. Like, there's this scene. Oh, what's her face? Oh my god. Never mind. We'll skip that. But anyways, <laughs> yes, it's very interesting how that all happened. I lived through the housing market. Like, I mean, yeah, I was here too. <laughs> no, but I mean, I purchased a house during the crash. So like, Whoa. yeah, I, I had that whole experience. So 
I know, Shelby, what upside down on a house is because <laughs> I lived through that. But oh, can you explain what that means? Sure. So when you're upside down on a house, it's the same with, with a car as well. When you're upside down, it means that you owe more for your property than it's actually worth. So let's say you owe $300,000 for your house because of the market. But then when you go to sell it or you try to refinance, it's only worth two hundred dollars or less. So now you can't sell it and you can't afford your payment. You're stuck. And so a lot of people end up in foreclosure. That cuts me deep. Yeah. That that brings up some bad memories there, Will. I might have to like we take triggered a step Christina. back. <laughs> I love that. I was like, I was here too. <laughs> you were just a babe. <laughs> All right. So another thing that goes into this is balloon payments that can be predatory as well. Right, Sarah? Oh, absolutely. You bet. You know, some predatory lenders will entice borrowers with the promise of low initial payments and then kind of gloss over that there will be excessive payments later in the loan term. It's kind of like, come have candy in my house. <laughs> this, is, this is a really easy thing for anyone to fall for because we always see ourselves as just like one month away from turning our money habits around, right? Mm. By the time that balloon payment blows up, we'll be ready. We'll have this together. You know, there's a quote by John Steinbeck, the author, that I think just perfectly sums it up, that we all see ourselves not as the exploited proletariat, but as temporarily embarrassed millionaires. And I think that is so true. Man, dropping the litter. You are like way too like, man. She took us up to the next level. No, but that's a really, really great way to put it. Like, I love that she said we all see ourselves as one month away of getting it together financially. Yeah. Because I think, think I think that's like, the way you are. Yeah. Because right now, well, right now I make, you know, I, I just, I'm thinking back to those good old days of, a you know, it feels like a bajillion years ago, but like my husband and I were making no money, like nothing. We, I think together combined, we were making like maybe $45,000 a year, but you're like, yeah, but you know, in a couple of years I'll be making more so you can afford those balloon mm-hmm. payments. Like it's, it's crazy. It's, it's all this psychological stuff that you play on yourself, trying to convince yourself that, oh, yeah, when when we get there. In fairness, the lenders will play into that. So if you say, oh, yeah, but I'm going to get a promotion in a couple of years, they'll Mm -hmm. they'll chomp right at the bit at that and make you even more down that rabbit hole. So a related practice, which I have never heard of, is called reverse redlining. So Shelby, what is that? Sure. So reverse redlining is a practice that typically targets people in low-income neighborhoods. The lender draws an imaginary red line around that neighborhood and charges everyone who lives there a higher interest rate and higher fees. What? Yeah. So redlining impacts everybody in the area, including the people who have higher income or the ability to make their payments. It's just a method of targeting people who might not have perfect credit or high income, but it affects even those people in the area who might be able to qualify for better rates if they had lived somewhere else. That can't be legal. People are really doing that. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately so. We should note that it is different from regular redlining, which was a practice that excluded people in certain areas from borrowing money. With redlining, you wouldn't be able to get the loan. With reverse redlining, you can get the loan. It's just way more expensive than you'd be able to pay in a different area. That is wild. Yeah. I can't imagine a reputable financial institution doing that. Or being allowed to do that. Yeah. That is banana pants crazy. So one thing I wasn't familiar with that I just read about is loan packing. So Sarah, what is it and what are the signs that it's happening to you? 
Yes. So loan packing happens when a lender just shoves in a bunch of hidden costs and fees into the loan. For example, a lender might add the cost of credit insurance to a loan that says, hey, if something happens to you, Mr. or Mrs. Borrower, then we will get paid back by the insurance company, right? The lender might even deliberately mislead the borrower, kind of leading them on and to believe that this credit insurance is required for them to get the loan. So the best way to kind of figure out, hey, is this happening to me, is to always, always, always read your loan contract ahead of time and ask questions. If you notice any fees that weren't disclosed to you or that kind of surprise you, research them. And don't just ask the lender about what it is. Ask the internet too, right? We have so much information at our fingertips. And you should never make assumptions as a borrower. You know what they say what happens when you assume, right? You make an ASS (laughs) out of you and me. (laughs) It is always better to ask than it is to assume, particularly when it comes to predatory lending. I think like the best question you can ask when you're getting a loan is break down the payment for me. Break down what's in the payment. I want to know how it's going to be applied. Because I think people don't really understand especially like just on a regular consumer loan and an auto loan, like you're paying more interest up front, you're doing this, you're doing that. They don't understand the breakdown of all of those things. Where does the late payment get applied? How is the late payment applied? Right. Yeah, just all those things. I think it's well, very and really, interesting. And they're really hoping you don't ask those questions. Exactly. But like when you're sitting in a car dealership, especially if you're getting an auto loan, I can tell you the one thing that will get them into shape is when you start asking all the questions and getting all the information. One thing that we do in the credit union is we always talk about the truth in lending and focus on that page specifically with members because it itemizes everything that's in the loan. And so that way there's no confusion. We go line by line with them and it has the interest rate right there. So it's, it is a very good practice, especially at dealerships to be like, okay, let me see the truth in lending because that is a required document mm. and it outlines every single thing. That's a great tip. Also, just for anyone who's car shopping, you don't have to walk away from the lot with the car. You can leave without the car if you're not getting a good deal. I'm just putting that out there. And you can listen to our podcast from season one about how to shop for a a car. We've gone completely off the rails. (laughs) 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 So Shelby, that sounds like something that maybe predatory lenders, like do predatory lenders pull that whole bait and switch? All the time. So a reputable lender will always be transparent about fees, interest rates, and loan terms. That's where that whole truth and lending piece comes in. It's always a red flag when you get that final loan document and something has changed from what you originally were told. That's a sign you should put on the brakes and start asking questions. A lot of times, predatory lenders will increase the fees, add new fees, change the terms of contract. That's why you should always read everything at your loan closing before signing anything and provide a sample contract ahead of time. Make sure you read both because sometimes that initial contract will be completely different from what you're actually signing. So always check before you put your T's and I's. So before we move on to our quick fire question round, I want to ask one more question. Sarah, what about prepayment penalties? Those can be used by predatory lenders, right? Oh, absolutely. Now keep in mind that All lenders make their money by charging interest, right? If someone with a high interest rate pays their loan off early, even if they do so by selling their house, the lender loses money that they expected they were going to get. And this is why some contracts come with prepayment penalties, either to discourage early repayment or to recoup the losses that the lender may experience. Now, not 
all lenders who include prepayment penalties in their contracts are predatory. But any kind of high prepayment fees should be met with skepticism. And there are all kinds of ways a lender might calculate a prepayment penalty and put it in the contract. But really, anything above 2% or any penalty that goes beyond the first few years of the loan would be considered unusual. And keep in mind that the prepayment penalties must be disclosed prior to the closing on the disclosure form. Just like Shelby was saying, truth in lending. Make sure to read that form and ask questions about anything you don't understand. This is one of those things, prepayment penalties, you can absolutely negotiate that in your contract and you shouldn't be afraid to ask questions. All right, now's the time for our rapid fire round. So we're going to give you, you guys, are you ladies ready for some quick questions, some oh, quick yeah. answers? <laughs> I think they All are. Right, we'll, bring it on. Christina yeah. said, be fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you're up first. All right, my first question is for Shelby. Shelby, what is the best way to spot predatory lending? Research. Just make sure you do your research, whether you're checking on Google or asking Siri or asking, phoning a friend, checking with your local bank or credit union. Just do the research. Make sure that if it sounds too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. All right, Sarah, it is your turn. So lending contracts, you were just talking about that. They can be super confusing. How can people protect themselves when they're reviewing said contracts? Oh, I mean, you need to be your own advocate. Like Shelby said, doing research. Do basic research about what you're signing, go through the contract, highlight anything you don't understand, and ask as many questions as you can to get a clear answer. Never forget that this is your money and you are responsible for making sure it works for you. And even then, if you can, get a lawyer. Finding a lawyer to review the contract, represent you at closing, then you have someone on your side. So Sarah, how can people avoid taking out payday loans? In my opinion, the best and probably the only way to avoid taking out payday loans is to create a household budget and stick to it. Try to figure out ways to avoid overspending and do whatever you can to make your money last until your next paycheck. Shelby, is there anything our listeners can do to help stop predatory lending? Yes. I'd suggest starting with local and state representatives. Call their offices and let them know that you think predatory lending practices need to be outlawed, even the ones that exist in legal loopholes like payday loans. I did want to add to the budget answer that Sarah just mentioned. I, I love that answer. And one great benefit of being a credit union member at Addition is that we have Enrich on our website, and it has tons of budgeting tools and worksheets that you can download for free. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Last question. Sarah, what's the most ridiculous or outrageous example of predatory lending you have seen? I mean, there are so many sad stories that I can't bring myself to call predatory lending ridiculous because that just makes it seem kind of fun to me. I don't know. But I think the most outrageous case I've seen involved a senior citizen in North Carolina who paid over half of her monthly Social Security income to payday fees. <gasps> she lost her phone and needed emergency help to avoid eviction, which oh. I think is just sad and outrageous. That's tragic. Mm. Not to end on a low note. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very sad. But the whole topic is kind of sad to your point. It's, it's like, it's not, it's, it's very unfortunate when people fall prey to these things. Well, thank you both so much. This was super informative. Now we'd like to give each of you a moment to talk about what's going on with you and how our listeners can stay connected with you outside of the show. Shelby, why don't you go first? Sure. So again, my name is Shelby Lord. You can find me on LinkedIn and at the Forest City branch of Edition Financial. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Not as active as some people, but, you know, 
feel free to connect. Are you a, a linked influencer? I don't think so, but I'm getting more involved in the years. <laughs> it's a lot of work to be on there all the time. It yeah. is. There's yes. so much information. I think, it, I think it's harder than any other social media platform is trying to be active on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Shelby. Okay, Sarah, it is your turn. How can our listeners find out more about you? I'm also on LinkedIn. I feel like I spend way too much time on there because it's maybe she's a LinkedIn influencer. <laughs> That's the goal, right? Get that blue check mark. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm verified on LinkedIn. <laughs> that would be great. But you can <laughs> you can find me on there as Sarah Jane Paulson CFP. There's an actress named Sarah Paulson. Personally, I think I'm better, but I use my middle name to <laughs> give myself a little more distinction. You can also find my website and blog at valkyriefinance.com. And I stay active by posting financial memes like the money nerd I am on Instagram and Facebook at Valkyrie Financial. Valkyrie is spelled V-A-L-K-Y-R-I-E for anyone who isn't totally up on their Viking mythology. Or their Marvel. Like Marvel movies. Marvel. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not up on either. Oh, boo. I know. Missing out. <laughs> See, that's why I spell it out for you, Will. You're welcome. Am I missing out? Never mind. Never mind. I'm, everyone's going to get very mad at me. Everyone's going to be like, Marvel. All the, all the Marvel fans are going to come after me now. All right. Thank you both again. I learned a lot today, and I'm sure our listeners did too. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you. Yes. All right. Now it's time for our favorite segment, Christina. What, what did, did we, we learn today? today? All right, I'll go first. So for me, I think the biggest takeaway is kind of what we talked about at the very end, and not to, again, bring it back to a low note, but that these practices have real-life implications on people, and it does prey on the people who are ill-equipped going into things financially. Like, they are not prepared to ask all the right questions, and they, above all, need a way to make ends meet. Yes. So I think it's really unfortunate. And I'm glad to see that some states have begun outlawing and making it very difficult. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. What I learned today was something that both Shelby and Sarah said is read that contract. And like, I'm really bad about that because I feel like, oh, I'm going to, I don't want them to think that I'm dumb or that I don't understand. But really reading the contract, highlighting what you don't understand and taking the time because it is your money. You have to make it work for you or bring in like phone a friend or get somebody to help you really, truly understand where your money is going. Mm -hmm. All right. As our listeners know, at the end of each episode, we like to leave you with a resource or two to help you make what we learned today count in your daily lives. One resource that we've shared before, but I think is very helpful to guard against predatory lending is our smart financial goal setting worksheet. I was just thinking about that one. That one's really good. I really like that one a lot. It's perfect for helping set up a plan to get out of high interest debt and setting up an emergency savings so you don't find yourself in a pinch in the future. Producer Lauren has put a link to that free downloadable worksheet in the show notes. So please check it out when you get a chance. And until the next episode, let's make, make it count. count. And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count. If you learned something new, were inspired to reach your financial goals, or just found us entertaining, please subscribe, share, or rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. And don't worry, we'll be back soon with another new episode of Making, Making It, it Count. Count.